Hi guys, this is Erica Weston with Fox Sports Midwest, and you're listening to my favorite St. Louis Blues hockey podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. All set for the faceoff at center ice. And for the St. Louis Blues, that's Red Berenson, number seven at center ice, 17 Don McKenney, and Jerry Melnick, number 16 on the right wing, Barkley Flager, and Jimmy Roberts are on the defense. Hey everybody, welcome to Let's Go Blues Radio. We are the often imitated, never duplicated, non-regulated, hardly ever contaminated, sometimes underestimated, often procrastinated, totally prognosticated, partially insulated, but not at all pregnated, original blues hockey podcast. Uh, Bill, that's usually what Kurt says, right? Something to that effect. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, things are a little different here, as you can imagine, but I am your host, Jeff Ponder, and, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at jponder94. I'm also joined by Bill Day, who you can follow on Twitter at billybluenote, and we will be with you for the next little while talking 2019 Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues hockey, Kurt Price, who is our normal host. You can still follow him over at cprice12 on Twitter. He is on assignment. Uh, so again, things are a little different here tonight. It's just going to be myself and Bill talking to you about some St. Louis Blues hockey. Uh, I want to mention at the top here the uh, the new open that you just witnessed. First of all, I want to thank STL Blues History for uh, the clip of the Blues and Maple Leafs game from December 30th, 1967. I believe that's what it was. And um, also want to thank the Wild and Free who we featured there in the open. That was their new single just released in the past week and a half, Out of Time, uh, and it's one of their better songs. I actually really enjoy that one. So if you haven't heard it yet, uh, go over to their YouTube page. Uh, check them out on Facebook. They're on Twitter at The Wild Free Band. Uh, again, if you didn't listen to the summer interview series, uh, the what, what did I call that, Bill? Behind Enemy Lines. Uh, they're a great young local rock band from St. Louis, maybe I think maybe St. Charles, and I think they do a great job. So um, a lot of fun creating that open, Bill. I hope you enjoyed seeing the old Red Berenson clip there at the beginning. Uh, that was beautiful. I, I enjoyed every second of that. And it uh, it took me a second like to say, what the hell is going on here? But, yeah. man, once it was there, that and that is such a like, just a really amazing high-quality clip for something from, you know, pre-HD era. Excellent yeah, find. I need to um, correct myself there as well. Uh, Mr. Kurt Price, who is on assignment, uh, his uh, Twitter 
is actually at Kurt Price. That's Kurt with a C. I, I knew that. Sorry, Mr. Price, but uh, yeah, follow him there. He is a uh, he's a great follow. As is Mr. Billy Blue Note over there uh, to my left, stage right, left, whatever it is. Uh, so uh, some more housekeeping things here to uh, to go over first. Uh, if you want to act, interact with the show on social media, make sure you follow us over at LGB Radio. I already gave you our Twitter feeds. We're also on Instagram and Facebook, so make sure you check us out there if you haven't already. Uh, if you are watching YouTube, uh, comments are to the right. Uh, so over here, if you would like to... Um, I did that, right? That this Whatever. Um, and uh, go ahead and leave us some comments there. I see some's already started. Uh, don't forget to check us out on our YouTube channel if you haven't subscribed yet. Uh, give us a like on our videos. That way you'll get some notifications each week when we go live. Uh, also, should mention that we are all over the place, so if you want to find us on Apple, Google, Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, as well as letsgoblues.com slash radio, that is where you can find us. Um, also, make sure you go in and you buy some new clothing there at the shop, uh, letsgoblues.com shop. Bill, have you seen the new shirt that Kurt put out? Bennington Light. Yes, it's, and some, it's, I saw... It's a beaut. Yeah, I saw somebody say that um, they uh, <laughs> that Bennington Light. That's basically Jake Allen. <laughs> uh, but the new shirt is beautiful. It's uh, it's a Bush Light parody shirt. It just says Bennington Light on it, and you can find that at letsgoblues.com slash shop. Use promo code NASTY for uh, money off anything in the shop, and today is the last day you can use it, so hurry up. So, uh yeah, two hours left for you live listeners. Go on over there to uh, letsgoblues.com slash shop and use that code NASTY. Um, but, uh, yeah, so letsgoblues.com, 100% of proceeds go back into supporting the show. So now that we got all that out of the way, Bill, how have you been? Uh, I've, I've been good. Um, and I, I think we should clarify, Kurt's not on assignment. Kurt, and I'm going to contradict what she said in the open, Kurt is contaminated. Kurt, yes. <laughs> Kurt went on to uh, Teal Town last night, and he's sick now. I mean, I, I think we have to blame them. Um, it, that's probably what happened. I mean, you got to figure, you know, remember that, what was that, the mumps a couple years ago that the Ducks brought to St. Louis? So what, did San Jose bring in the flu bug? That was jacks. Yeah, that's yeah, and uh, blurred his blurred all of his wonderful blues memorabilia out and got him sick. What jerks! Yeah, they. I, I didn't see the video yet, but Kurt informed Bill and I that apparently they blurred out all the blues stuff he has in the background uh, when he went on their show last night. So yeah, I'm watching you. Uh, let's go. Or I'm sorry, uh, Teal Town, because that's uh, that's not cool. We're not okay with that. Uh, so, uh, a couple of announcements. Well, we already went through the announcements, didn't we? We're going to jump into the segments, Bill. Uh, unless you have anything you wanted to add at the top of the show. Anything, uh, happened in your life in the last week? Uh, no, no. Um, finally saw a hockey game worth watching last night. Yeah, that was a good one. Did you watch the, uh, was it the, the lightning and Canucks game? Did you see any of that by chance? No, I did not. Do you know what happened in that game? Um, no. The only thing Lightning. I saw from that game, 
was uh, see uh, somebody in the crowd wore a Terrence and Philip mask, and it got memed like crazy today. I did not see that. That's something I missed. Um, I'm looking up the score right now because I can't remember exactly, but I want to say the Lightning put up an... What's that? It was nine to two, wasn't it? Nine to two, yeah. Lightning put up a nine spot on the uh, on the Canucks. That's interesting, considering the Canucks are still in a playoff spot, I believe, at this point. Yeah, yeah. well, the Pacific is garbage. Yes, yeah, right. Uh, well, the uh, official beers for uh, episode number two thirty three all time, and this is uh, I did not mention that at the beginning of the show. I'm sure Kurt is kicking himself right now for me not saying this. This is season eight, episode forty seven. We are recording on January eighth, twenty twenty. So our uh, official beers of the episode, Bill, lead us off. I'm going with another Founders Coffee beer. Um, this one is Frangelic Mountain Brown. It's a hazelnut coffee ale. It's it's not a stout this time. Um, it's, I've had the uh, Sumatra Mountain Brown and the Underground Mountain Brown on here a couple of times. Very good beer. This one's just got a hazelnut tint to it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to get better than the Espresso KBS that I had on last week. Um, but uh, I, I do have a second beer tonight. It is just the regular Founders Breakfast Stout, so... I can't That's a good get one. I, I love it. I love this beer so much. That's oh, good stuff. Uh, the uh, the the uh, for me, I'm I'm going with an old favorite, uh, mostly from Kurt, but I love it as well. And, and Bill, I believe you do too. The peanut butter chocolate milk stout, the absence of light from uh, from Four Hands Brewery. So I'll try to hold it up here to the correct camera. Um, just a great one. You can get these at Schnucks and and most of your liquor stores that have a good beer selection. Um, pairs well with chocolate cake, which I do not have any, so that would be very nice to have right now. Yeah, I I brought a you know a couple of pieces of candy up here, but I know if I try to eat them, the dogs are going to go crazy and it's going to yep. interrupt the show. So you don't want that. I'll avoid it. No, I'll uh, I'll pop up the uh, the bottle. Hopefully, it looks good. You see? Yeah, um, eh. looks good enough. Okay. So let's start off the show here with uh, today in blues history, courtesy of the courtesy of the at STL Blues History account. So uh, as of today in 1992, Brett Hall recorded his 15th career hat trick and tied his own St. Louis Blues team record for consecutive goal streak, which was 10 games in the Blues 5-2 win versus the New York Rangers. Uh, don't really remember that game myself because there are so many milestones from Brett Hall, but. I'm sure that was a, a great moment in Blues history. Yeah. January 8th. I mean, 15, oh, go ahead. At that point, 15 hat-tricks at that point in his career. Um, I mean, geez, he'd only been here, what, three, four years at that point? Ah, it's crazy. Uh, um, sorry, I'm, I'm still getting messages from our fearless leader um, <laughs> telling me that our volumes are still off. Uh, so, Bill, if you want to try bringing yours up at all, that would help. But otherwise, I think we're good. Um, He's a damn perfectionist, I tell he you. He really is. And you know what? We love him for it. That's what we need. Uh, so, uh, January 8th, 2000, the greatest Stastny of all, Jan Stastny, uh, recorded a hat trick for the St. Louis Sting uh, in a 6-5 win versus the Springfield Junior Blues. 
Uh, Bill, do you remember the St. Louis Sting? Um, can't say that I do. I don't either. It's weird. I usually remember all the 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 team, even like the St. Charles Chill that came through here a couple of years ago. I usually remember yeah. these teams, but I do not remember that one. Yeah, no. It, the I remember the Vipers from Roller yeah. Hockey International. Well, they're um, coming back. Yeah, bring it back. I'm excited. I I can't wait to see him play. Yeah, it's funny. So I, so I don't, don't remember this thing. My um, speaking of St. Louis Vipers, uh, and we'll talk more about them as I'm sure as the season gets closer. I think they're coming in, uh, in the next next season for the NRHL, whatever the league is, and uh, they had an open tryout. And it's funny because a couple of my friends and I who play roller. We're like, hey, we should just go try out, look stupid, and just you know tell people, hey, yeah, we tried out for that new team. Uh, yeah, in order to try out, you had to pay four hundred bucks. So yeah, we decided true. that was not worth it. Yeah, that probably for that specific reason. I'm sure that's that what it is. People like us don't go make a fool of ourselves to say that, hey, we played with somebody who played a version of professional hockey once. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, January 8th, 2008, Manny Legacy set the St. Louis Blues record for consecutive shutout minutes at 187 minutes and 39 seconds from December 28th, 2007 to January 8th, 2008 in a 6-1 win versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's impressive. Uh, Do you remember that, Bill? Again, that's something I'm kind of drawing a blank on. I think I just kind of blocked a lot of those years out. The Blue Jackets in 2008. Yeah, I, um, I mean that's that's right during the uh, uh, Chuck's second stint with the team, right before he finally hung him up. Uh, I want to say I vaguely recall that. Mm. Yeah, well, you have a better memory than I do. Uh, and uh, happy 57th birthday to former Blues defenseman Garth Butcher, who was involved in uh, one of the most well-known trades in Blues history, and it's not for a good thing. Topics of the show. Um, let's get right into those. Uh, first of all, we're going to lead off on kind of a sour note here, but um, I think it's worth mentioning for, for what we do here for this show. Uh, if you did not hear on last night's broadcast, unfortunately, a member of the Blues family passed away, David Jacober. Son of KMOX's outstanding broadcast voice, Ron Jacober, who's done some play-by-play for the Blues in the past. Unfortunately, uh, Ron's son, David, lost his battle with cancer. That was announced by John Kelly during last night's game. So, um, of course, everyone here at Let's Go Blues Radio, and I'm sure I can say for all of our listeners, uh, nothing but, um, but, but well wishes and thoughts and prayers uh, go out to uh, the Jacober family, as um, I'm sure that was a... Very sad moment, as I know he's um, he's been involved in the Blues family for years, and the players got to know him a little bit, and, and um, very unfortunate news. Yeah, it's such a sad story. Anybody that's listened to St. Louis Sports Radio uh, ever knows who Ron Jacober is, and yeah, it, uh, it was touching last year when they did um, trim uh, at the game in Denver, and yeah, very sad to hear when they discussed this last night, definitely, uh, definitely a sad day for the St. Louis radio community. You ever met Ron Jacober? 
Um, I don't think I have. Uh, that is that is one man that has that always eluded me. I always heard he was in attendance from here from time to time when I was in the media, and I just never seemed to meet him. But I always heard good things about him. I'm sure he's a great guy. Yeah, a voice I mean, a voice that you recognize too. Yeah, I mean he did more than sports talk radio, and you know he did a lot of uh, a lot of different shows on KMLX over the years, and yeah, I I I never. Like a lot of the the voices on the radio, um, you, you usually find something to take issue with them. And I can't ever think of a time where it's like uh, Ron Jacober, you don't know what you're talking about. Yep. Uh, a couple comments here in the YouTube chat. Uh, first of all, um, we've got uh, Willie saying he was at last night's game. So I'm sure you had a good time there. Um Austin Lynch giving us trouble, saying I guess we didn't mention beer of the episode soon enough, so I apologize for that, Austin. Uh, not that you should worry about that, because you are underage, son. Uh, I like my beer to taste like beer. Not a wheat field, not bacon, not coffee, just beer. Pass me a Budweiser. That's what Willie says. So I guess that was a more of a comment on your uh, your coffee stout that you were discussing. So, if you well, want to, do you want to do like a boxing match or something with him? I mean, I could probably set that up. We may have to. Um, I'm done with that. Yeah, I, to to each their own. Um, you know, I I will drink Budweiser when I'm at a golf course, and that is their best offering. And that's that's where I am. And I will I say, I do like Budweiser more than Bud Light. Um, I think it has a little bit more flavor, a little more taste, but uh, still, uh, I know it makes me a bad St. Louis and just not a huge fan of Budweiser products. Uh, Shock Top, I can drink that all day, um, and I can drink Bud Light. When I'm out with friends, that's what I drink typically, but yeah, if I have a choice, I'm, I'm going to be the beer snob, and I'm going to drink uh, this kind of stuff I'm drinking tonight. Yeah, I think that's, that is definitely the uh, you know, the image that we've carved out for ourselves with all of our beer selections. Although every once in a while, Kurt will bust out a Bud Light Orange. Yes, those are always fun to see. Uh, again, we got maybe that's how we got sick and not Teal Town. Yeah, that's what he said. You wanted Bud Light Oranges last night. Uh, let's see. Uh, we got uh, Willie says, that's a bummer. Ron's awesome. And uh, Austin Lynch has given the prayer emoji, so... Uh, thank you guys for that. I'm sure if Ron hears that or were to hear that, I'm sure he'd be very pleased to hear you guys thinking about him. Um, and then Dan Dreheim, which is uh, Squirrely Dan, but for some reason he lost the Squirrely tonight. Uh, he doesn't know about that Founders, Founders Breakfast out, right, Bill? Yeah, I uh, was in the process of trying to respond to him on that, but this is true, and that's, that's my next beer. So um, if I could share it with Willie and show him the light of what a really good coffee beer tastes like, I would do it. So rather than, than having a boxing match with Willie, you would rather maybe sit under a tree on a nice day and have a picnic and, and you know, in Forest Park and share beer with him? That sounds um, like a lovely time. It sounds like a lovely time, but, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd rather just... Find him at a bar and hand him a beer. Rather than that, that's probably a better idea. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, so Austin asks us uh, what we think about the All-Star jerseys. And, whoa, guess what, Austin? That's what we're going to talk about next. Uh, so if you did not see the All-Star Game jerseys, which, of course, is going to be held here in St. Louis and uh, the end of January, they were released today. Uh, this is uh, directly from the NHL. Quote, this year's jerseys pioneer a revolutionary look by pulling design inspiration from the league's 31 teams and fusing those elements with the renowned musical scene from the game's host city. Uh, they continue to say to pay homage, or however you would say that word, homage, as a lot of Midwesterners probably say, to the original uh, sweaters of the St. Louis Blues and to transform the city's acclaimed rhythm and blues history into a tangible form, the 2020 Honda NHL All-Star Game jersey striping mimics a musical staff along the front and sleeves of the jersey. And another nod to the host city, the stitching elements are conducted in an eye-catching silver thread inspired by the iconic gateway arch. Um, so if you did not see these, I'm, uh, I'll, I'll try to tweet these out while Bill gives his opinion. I'll let him talk first. And if you're not following me, uh, make sure you go to, oh, my goodness, Kurt is, this, Kurt is sabotaging the show, folks. He has, he has gone into our shared document and is just adding ridiculous stuff, uh, trying to get me to say things that are not true that the NHL said. So uh, I'm going to ignore that, Kurt, but thank you for the attempt. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I'm going to tweet these out now so you don't follow me, at jpotter94 on Twitter. I'll get the photo out. But, uh, Bill, what's your take on these jerseys? Um, I, I immediately knew what they were going for with the bars you know, with the blue notes, uh, but they, like a lot of the Adidas NHL design stuff, I just don't, I'm not a fan. Um, maybe, maybe it's too minimalist, um, which is better than those awful avalanche jerseys that, uh, for the, uh, a stadium series game. Um, but, uh, there's, something about a black jersey with stripes that could appear white. I know they're they're silver in uh, homage to the game arch, but there's something something uh, you know classic prison stripe <laughs> to me about that. I don't like it. Yeah. No, I'm not a fan. Um, well, it's just I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, and and I know that for the most part. We here at, uh, at Let's Go Blues Radio have not really been a fan of all-star game jerseys in the past, and I know a lot of people aren't, But um, and I'm doing this as I'm trying to find a photo of this because for some reason I can't copy it from our document. But uh, So, yeah, I, I think that I like the crazy ones. Like, man, the back in the day when they had, like, the, the crazy orange and black jerseys, I liked those, and maybe it's just because I was a kid and it's nostalgic, but I I loved those jerseys. And seeing these now, I'm just you know they just they're plain. There's not a lot going on. I mean, I and I guess with the with the I guess you call it the piping or the striping, you know, get the musical notes in there, but they're pretty much impossible to see by the naked eye. It's just a white and gray jersey. So you're telling me that both or all three games we see in this tournament. They're going to just be black on gray all night. I mean, that's not, I don't know, just not very appealing to the eye. And that's really all you're looking for 
with the uh, with the All Star game, and it's just it's not a good look for me. I'm not a fan. Yeah, well, I did see like Canadians, Shea Weber's going to represent Montreal, and I saw them tweet that out. And when there's other color involved on the white jerseys, it's actually a lot more appealing to me. I just I'm done with the the black versus white motif that they use too often. It's it's I don't know too too simple, um, and yeah, I just I, uh, I'd like to see something more colorful, not uh, not the uh, motocross type jerseys that they had a couple of years ago where they were all pastels, but I don't know, just the classic jersey colors. Just can't we can't we get that? Yeah, I I don't know I. <laughs> I think back to, and I know that maybe this is something that would, that would rub some people the wrong way if you know they're not a fan of the hometown team. But I think back to the day when was it the All Star game? Like way, way back when the the home team actually played against the rest of the NHL All Stars. Wasn't that how it worked? Yeah, back in the uh, the sixties. Fifties and sixties, and even, I guess the original All Star Game. They had a, a piece on that last night, um, and on Channel Five because uh, one of the one of the guys that played in the first All Star Game uh, was uh, had St. Louis connections. Uh, his daughter. Um, they interviewed her on Channel Five last night, and uh, I think it was uh, the late forties when that happened. And uh, he was a member of the Stanley Cup champion Toronto Maple Leafs. They played the rest of the league's all stars, and uh, in a that was the tradition for year after year. I wouldn't mind them bringing that back. But. Yeah, and I was going to say along those lines, just talking about jersey creation. I think it'd be cool if, like, the team that was you know anointed the home team in all three games had like a jersey that mimicked the colors of the home team. Like, if it was like. Well, you're going to be the home team, so you know the central team, and maybe the Atlantic, and then Central or uh, Pacific in the final game um, would have like a like almost like a Blues jersey, but with like an NHL logo, and you know maybe a little differently done, and then uh, you know maybe if the the other team had like a like a white like you see here. Um, and then you could add, you know, different logo or, or whatever you wanted. I'm, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but I feel like there's a lot of creativity that can go into this. And, and like I said, you're doing this for the aesthetic reasons. You're doing this because you want to – people use this. The NHL and the NBC, they use this to try and gain more fans and, and appease the sponsors. So why not just, just kind of go all out and do something crazy? I just feel like this was – Kind of a miss for me, just just not a fan. Yeah, I I definitely don't think Adidas has hit their stride when it comes to design for NHL jerseys. Um, you know, they this is their their one chance to make a statement every year, and so far I'm definitely not impressed. Uh, Dan Dreheim uh, says uh, I found out that my YouTube name is linked to my Gmail. So as I was emailing companies for internship, my name came up as Squirrely Dan. <laughs> Wasn't the best. 
Wow, I had no idea. Uh, that's a good thing to remember for those of you who might be changing your names to comment on uh, on YouTube. Holy cow! Uh, yeah, that's 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 a shame. Uh, and then my uh, my nephew is is on. Says hi. I'm your nephew, Jeff. Yes, Aiden. I know you are my nephew. So uh, so hello, Aiden. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, uh, Austin Lynch says, uh, like two years ago, talking about the jerseys, uh, the they did the weird colors, and I kind of liked it. Was that like the neon green ones that they did? Yeah, yeah, that was the ones. I if if it's the one that I talked about earlier, that I I thought they were a little too motocross inspired, and a little bit not, not my thing. I mean, it's at least they're they're adding color. Um, and, and not going with this minimalist, you know, like I said, almost prison-style striped shirt scheme. But, yeah, um, I I wasn't a fan of those. But maybe if there's a, you know, some kind of color, more color to these, uh, I, you know, they'd be more appealing to me. But. Yep, not a fan, but whatever. We'll see what it looks like on the ice. Um, I'll say, we, we talked, uh, I don't know if it was the beginning of last year or this year, whenever those Jets jerseys came out, the one with the cursive writing, the baby blue, I'm yeah. still not a fan overall of that design, but I will say, on the ice, I do think that color really stands out and looks cool on a on a broadcast. So I will walk back my comments about those jerseys a little bit just because they do look good. Uh, when you're looking at it from a bird's eye view, but um, we'll see. Maybe these jerseys have the same appeal. But who knows? Well, yeah, uh, I I doubt it because we know what black and white looks like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, uh, we mentioned this last week, but we're going to keep mentioning it until voting's closed, which I think we'll have one more show before that happens. Make sure if you haven't done it yet to go over to nhl.com/vote. And you vote for David Perron to be one of the last men in for the All-Star game in St. Louis. Uh, he currently leads the Blues in scoring with, is this number right? Uh, I don't know when Kurt Post is this. Uh, 18 goals, 26 assists. He had a goal last night, so that might be 19 goals. Um, and you can uh, you can vote up to 10 times per day through January 10th. So this is actually the last show we will have before uh, the voting ends. So make sure you get in there. Vote up to 10 times per day. Uh, kind of uh, uh, going to – what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going to um, – damn, can't think of the word. I'm an English major, and I can't think of a word that, that is used in descriptive in English. But anyway, uh, did you get your votes in today, Kurt or Bill? Because uh, I, we're going to be talking I'm about that exact it. question later. I'm doing it right now, and uh, the live stats are 18 goals, 26 assists, and an even rating for the season. Uh, Kurt says uh, 18 is correct. So Kurt, Kurt is like, he's Go to he bed, should. Kurt. Yeah, come on, man, get some rest. You don't need to listen to us. Uh, and remember also, David Perron does want to be in this game, so uh, make sure that uh, you, you help him out there. And um, again, if if uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug the Clayton Keller bandwagon because he is a St. Louis boy, um, it would be cool to see him and Matthew Kachuk 
make it for the Pacific Division. So uh, if you have any interest in seeing some hometown boys play on their hometown ice, uh, get Clayton Keller in there as well. Yeah, I've consistently voted uh, Perron, Keller, Oshie, and Barkov. Um, Pajot is the only one I would change in there for me. Every other one, that's 100%. That's what I'm doing, too. Yeah, and I Pajot is such a blues killer. As, as he is. As we play Ottawa. I would not be surprised if he doesn't wind up here uh, as a rental to help down the stretch. That would be interesting. I'd be okay with that. Uh, some more All-Star Game news. Uh, Baruby, Craig Baruby, head coach of the St. Louis Blues, will also be head coaching the Central Division in the All-Star Game. Uh, and that's just, you know, that's just fun news because, you know, we, we talk all the time about where this team came from. I mean, you look at where he was at a year and a half ago. Um, he was set to coach under Mike Yo. Nobody had any thoughts of him taking over the Blues. Next thing you know, he's winning a Stanley Cup. He's a Jack Adams finalist. He's led the Blues to another unbelievable start to a season. Um, so hats off to Craig Berube. I don't know how much he's excited for this. I think I would think, like Perron, that he would be because this is the hometown. So to have the home guy coaching is probably pretty exciting, I would think. But uh, teach his own, maybe not. But uh, either way, hats off to him and uh, very happy to see him uh, coaching the All-Star Game. He will be joining Bruce Cassidy. He will be coaching, uh, coaching the Atlantic. Todd Reardon, former St. Louis Blues defenseman, number 28. Uh, he will be coaching the Metropolitan Division. And then Gerard Gallant will be uh, doing the Pacific team behind the bench. So uh, congratulations to all four coaches. Yeah, great, great honor for Baruby to get it. Um, you recounted his accolades. Um, you know, he, I, I felt strongly, you know, that uh, he, he should have gotten uh, more consideration for the Jack last year. But, um, you know, Trotsy had a great season last year for the Islanders, turned that franchise around, it seemed. Um, but, but yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, when you're, when you're coaching, you're a player to, to be able to play on home ice and not have to travel to the all-star game. Um, I, I think that's a huge bonus. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's so great in a hockey season that, you know, that's why we see players like Ovechkin skip it every year. You know, they, they want to get some downtime. They, they don't want to go participate in these things. Um, but it, it's hard to say that when you don't have to do anything other than your normal daily commute to get there. So it, it would be awesome to have Peron in there, have four Blues players and a coach, uh, and, you know, that, that's, that would be a beautiful thing, and uh, definitely Ruby uh, totally deserving of this after delivering a Stanley Cup to this city. That means the the training staff stays involved too, then, right? Like, doesn't the central team get all the the Blues trainers? Um, I, I don't know how that works. Uh, I've, I've never paid that much attention, and I, I'll I'll be honest. The last four or five years, I haven't tuned in to watch the actual All Star game. The only thing I've really cared about is the skills competition. Yep, that's um, how I am. And this this year will be different because it's here in St. Louis. Um, 
I think I think we have um, FanFest the day of the game. So uh, the tickets that we got for FanFest are day of the game. So I'm going to go over to that and then, I don't know, um, don't know if I'll uh, try to catch it at a bar or just come back home and watch it. But I'm, I'm watching it this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, with it being in our home arena, I think it's uh, pretty exciting and worthy of, of my eyes to be on them. So I'm looking forward to watching it as well. Uh, so moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some goaltending, which I want to get Bill's. Do you watch the Do you watch the World Juniors at all, Bill? Do you have time for it? Uh, this year was the first year I didn't catch a damn game, um, and I was me neither. I was, uh, I and it wasn't so much that I didn't have time because I took uh, quite a bit of time off of work at the end of the year. I just I just didn't make it a priority. Um, Letter Kenny season eight that was a priority. <laughs> World I don't TV believe you. This year wasn't wasn't so much. Um, you know, of course, I got like the um, uh, Cherpanov goal um, that he scored on Hofer in the uh, the first time that uh, Russia and Canada met because that was such a highlight reel. Couldn't avoid that on Twitter. Um, but no, I uh, I did miss the uh, the the championship game. But uh, great to have a uh, a gold medal winning goaltender in our organization in our pipeline. Yeah, for those that might not have caught it, Team Canada won the gold this year. First time they've won a medal in overseas World Juniors since two thousand eight. Uh, which is a long time for Canada, but uh, Joel Hofer, Ho- Hofer or Hofer? It's Hofer, isn't it? I, I would go Hofer. I'm pretty sure it's Hofer. Uh, wins the top goalie at the World Juniors. Uh, again, not very surprising since the uh, Canadians won the gold. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, he's a guy that – now, granted, Jake Allen was a guy who had a fairly decent World Juniors. He um, He had one game that was kind of imploding – a um, little premonition for, for what, what's to come, I guess. But uh, Joel Hofer uh, plays a great tournament, and uh, instantly I think people start recognizing him as a top goalie prospect, uh, possibly in the NHL. And, of course, he's a St. Louis Blues draft pick. So uh, congrats to Joel and all the Canadians for winning the World Juniors. But from what I saw of his game, he seems like a guy who – doesn't get out of position easily, uh, kind of what you see in Bennington. A guy who just swallows pucks because he's always in position um, and just knows knows his angles better than uh, anyone at his age. So it'll be interesting to see how he progresses in the Blues system if he remains with the Blues. Yeah, I, I think uh, I forget who it was on Twitter, but there were some comments about uh, the entire Toronto media has already started the uh, the drumbeat to get Hofer into the Leafs organization. Um, it's uh, incredible performance. Uh, definitely caught the attention of a lot of hockey media types, and of course, you know, Toronto being the center of that. That uh, that, that was I thought a, a pretty funny uh, joke. To, to say that they're they're trying to get him there already. Yeah, the I mean the Blues are going to trade them Petrangelo and Hofer, I believe. So that's going to be right. for, an interesting for move. Morgan Riley. 
for Morgan yep. Riley, who, if you didn't know it, is the defenseman since Bobby Orr. Oh, of course. Yes, yes, of course. Um, maybe the rights actually, to Joffrey Lupul as well. Yeah, somebody actually wrote that in Toronto I know. media. Oh, yeah, I know. Absolutely Terrible. Crazy. Crazy. Oh. Not even close. Not even nah. close. No way. Uh, so a uh, couple, a uh, couple comments here. I want to go ahead and get to before we move on. Austin Lynch says Perron might be in on the STL Authentics website. You can buy a David Perron All Star jersey, apparently. So that's kind of interesting. Maybe they know something before we do. Uh, Austin Lynch adds you can also buy a TJ Oshie All Star jersey over there. So that's uh, again, that's pretty interesting. Uh, Jimmy Anderson says Happy New Year, fellas. Uh, MLT's one, of course, I'm going to read this comment because it is probably going to win a comment of the day. If you ask me, Hey Ponder, your facial hair is sublime all day, all night. Thank you. MLT's one person. I don't know. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, uh, USA blew it in the world juniors against Canada. And yes, they did. So again, I didn't watch the games, but I kind of caught the highlights and, uh, Aiden Bishop says he's going to bed. So Bye-bye, Aiden. Thanks for tuning in. <sighs> Anniversary uh, day was yesterday of a big moment in Blues history. If you watch the broadcast, or I'm sure it was also mentioned somewhere during the game, I would imagine if you were at uh, Enterprise Center last night, uh, is the anniversary of Bennington's first NHL start uh, versus, uh, well, yesterday was against San Jose, but uh, his first start against Philadelphia um, I thought it was funny. Jeremy Rutherford had tweeted this out earlier in the day. Uh, something Biddington had said a year ago today. I was listening to Rocky Balboa on the way to the rink, and I don't doubt that because I would think I would do the exact same thing. Yeah, it, it was a great story. Um, like I, I think it was Korak who tweeted out a lot of uh, a lot of what Biddington said. It wasn't just. That he listened to Rocky Balboa, but he bought himself an Uber uh, XL, uh, a, a black SUV, because you know it's his first start. He's treating himself, so yeah, right. The guy, the, the guy knows how to take care of himself and get himself into the right uh, mind frame for a game, and that that it's just such a great story all around. That uh, oh, where would we be without Jordan Bennington? I, and, and, I mean, do you think this? I mean, we had this conversation. What was it last year? I think we all agreed that it's just been a, a mixture of things. But I mean, is it that without him, does this team implode? You know, do they? Does does Doug Armstrong drop the bomb and say, "You're gone. You're gone. You're gone." Um, I mean, again, we'll never know. It could have been him. It could have been Barubi. It could have just been a mix of things. But, man, I mean, you look at the stats. So far in the NHL, 64 games played, 61 started, 44, 12, and 5. GAA of 2.21, save percentage 0.921. Shutouts, uh, he has 6. And, of course, with uh, the Blues goaltending numbers, six shutouts. That puts him at, like, number two or something, right? Blues all-time? <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> Not it's quite. Probably, it's, 
it's top ten, but uh, I I think uh, was it Elliot uh, had nineteen, and I think that's the record, something like that. Yeah, it's but, not. It, it's a little more than that. I think it's like twenty three, but either yeah. way, um, not not great. Uh, and of course, you got in the, uh, the the playoff numbers. He was sixteen and ten, uh, two point four six GAA, point nine one four save percentage. So not the greatest numbers for for a playoff goalie, but it was his rookie year in the playoffs, and he gets sixteen wins, which by the way is a record. So uh, congratulations to him. And just I mean, again, where like you said, where will we be without this goalie? You know, right yeah. now we're. Look at the stuff behind me. I mean, all the the Stanley Cup memorabilia that we've got. You know, the the the, the mountains of debt that I've accrued. And I know Kurt's accrued, and you probably have too. Thank you, Jordan yep. Bennington, for that. But you know what? It was all worth it because, uh, yeah, he's he's as I said, it doesn't matter what he does the rest of his career. He will always be a legend at St. Louis. Yeah, I I still haven't acquired my uh, my Bennington Bay jersey. For uh, the playoffs from last year, but that that is definitely uh, my next Blues purchase. Um, the the save that he made on Joachim Nordstrom in Game Seven sealed his the save in Blues history for me. Yep, the save that is the save, and then the the first period we talk about all the time. That first period he had unbelievable. Without him, there's no way this team wins the Stanley Cup. I mean, not not even talking about just getting them to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final, but Game 7 alone, I, I can't, and I know that we're saying a lot here by saying this, but I can't name you one goalie right now who would come up bigger in a Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final and bigger than he did. That was impressive. Um, yeah. Eight. Oh, go ahead. I, I mean, we can't say a whole lot more about him, but yeah, I, you know, to your point, what would the team have done? What would our Armstrong have done had he not come along and righted them? Um, you know, at this point, you know, is Braden Shen a blue? Is Vladimir Tarasenko a blue? You know, there, there was, you know, the team was in such bad shape. And he comes in, team turns it around. It's it, it's impossible to know what where we would be right now. Um, just yeah, it, he's legend. Yes, yes. Uh, we got a tweet that I'll mention. Uh, AJ Strong, our friend from Teal Town, USA. Uh, says, uh, and he's at AJ underscore strong if you want to follow him. Um, for those that may have listened to the uh, summer series I did, uh, the San Jose episode, which I think was uh, 17 hours long, something like that, uh, mostly AJ talking, about 15 hours of that, uh, he says, we'll have to compare our notes from last year with yours. So if those, those that may not remember, last year was in San Jose. We had a long discussion about uh, the All-Star game, what St. Louis should expect. And um, there's a lot of helpful information in that episode. So if you have not listened to that, uh, look for the uh, one of the summer episodes. It's the Behind Enemy Lines San Jose episode. And uh, that is uh, that was one, I, again, I think St. Louis fans would benefit from listening to a little bit of that. Uh, we talk about the All-Star game. 
kind of what uh, they, they have a little tips and tricks for the fan fest and all that in order to get yourself uh, in the right position to see what you want to see and do what you want to do. So, uh, again, listen to that episode. AJ and Eric from uh, Teal Town USA join me on that episode. So speaking of Teal Town USA and the not first place, not second place, not third place, not fourth place, Somewhere in there, the San Jose Sharks of the Pacific Division visited St. Louis last night, and it was um, it was a closer game than I think. The score indicates a closer game than what it was, in my opinion. Uh, the Sharks have just not. Before we get to that, let's just go ahead and mention the rest of the games in the week. Uh, the Blues are coming off a three-game winless streak heading into this game. Ugly 3-1 loss to Arizona, which um, let's just hope that they stop getting winning streaks before they play Arizona because they're going to snap them every time. Uh, brutal 7-3 loss to Colorado, an ugly game, and a 5-4 overtime loss to Vegas, which the Blues had a 3-0 lead in after the first period. Um, that was... Uh, whew, I, I did not enjoy any of those games. <laughs> it, was, it was tough to yeah. watch. The the Colorado game it was Colorado was on a mission that night. Yeah, they were, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's 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 just a game where Colorado was definitely the better team by far. Um, you know, uh, Phoenix. I always feel like going into Phoenix for the Blues is a a, a trap game. Um, second time that they have destroyed a long winning streak for the Blues this year, like you said. Um, but the Vegas game, I think, was the most frustrating one of all. Yes. Just, you know, you had O'Reilly come out after the game and say, you know, we just stopped playing. You know, we took our foot off the gas and, and tried to maintain a lead, and you can't do that against a team like Vegas. I mean, they're, they're first in Pacific, um, and, you know, they showed what, uh, just just a, a bad display from, from the team. Uh, team... You know, we that eight-game win streak we were on, the defense was so stout. Um, obviously, you don't have Pareko for, you know, for the game in Vegas. Um, first game that he missed all season, just that hurts. But, you know, the team still has played a stout defense. Um, it, it, was, it was just tough to, uh, tough to watch. And, yeah, definitely... The, the least favorite game that I've tuned in for the last couple of months. Yeah, the, the the Colorado game right when it started, I remember I I mean, it was halfway to the first, and I, I said then, and I know that games change and the Blues have been comeback kings, but I said then, I'm like, they're going to lose this game. It just I didn't have a good feel for that one. It just, like you said, Colorado just came out barnstorming, and it just felt like the Blues just had no answer for them. And I thought, well, you know, maybe they'll pick it up in the second, the third, but it just never came to fruition. But the one that, yeah, the one that frustrated me was the Vegas game. I mean, Vegas is a damn good team. So, you know, looking at it, uh, uh, you know, from a far way out, 5-4 overtime loss, okay, you know, that's that's not bad. You're getting a point out of Vegas, a team that the Blues have dominated. But when you consider they had a 3 nothing lead, and just squandered it. Uh, just not a good look for the Blues. And uh, this was the last game before the San Jose game. So I think everybody kind of said, well, 
hopefully they'll uh, they'll pick it up here against uh, a weaker San Jose team because that was an ugly loss against Vegas. Yeah, and and I think you know the the one thing that we privately harped on uh, during the Colorado and Vegas games was the god awful play of Zach Sanford. And yeah. why was he why was he getting selected over Jordan Cairo? Um, you know, obviously uh they both played in last night's game uh with San Jose, but the going back to the Colorado game, the coverage by Sanford uh on uh Kadri, the the uh the three on two you or it's a three on three coming and Sanford's turn got his stick turned completely the wrong way. He's his body's turned oh, yeah. completely the wrong way. Um, Kadri pulls up. Um, I forget who it is that makes the pass. Burkowski or whoever makes the cross cross slot pass. Kadri's pulled up and just blasts a one timer past Bennington. Um, you know, a, a more adept, you know, uh, forward coming back. He's going to break up that play every time, and it just it was it was not good. And then you know I felt like the the last two games he's really his passing his chemistry with O'Reilly specifically has been awful. And yeah. He's putting him in bad positions, putting passes into his skates, and you know they're they're not reading off one another. And I it just I. God, Sammy Blade, please get healthy. Yeah, no kidding, man. The Blues could use him right now. And, yeah, Sanford was, was rough. And I agree that there was one breakout in particular I remember where, uh, you know, even, you know, O'Reilly's a hell of a player. You put it anywhere near his stick, he's going to get it. He fed him a pass that was, I mean, a good foot and a half behind him. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're in the in NHL player, you shouldn't be passing that far off. I mean, it's... uh. It's ugly. So yeah, I agree with you. He had a he had a rough couple games there, but um, the Blues did pull out a victory against San Jose, three to two. The Blues and Sharks have played five times since the infamous hand pass gate back in the playoffs of 2019. In those five games, the Blues are five zero and zero, and have outscored the Sharks twenty to seven in three hundred minutes of gameplay. The Blues have only trailed for a minute 32 against the Sharks. So that is highly impressive. And um, it shows that the Blues kind of had a chip on their shoulder after that uh, hand pass gate. Yeah. The the Sharks are definitely a a cure for whatever's ailing the Blues right now because they always seem to uh, put up a, a really strong game. Um you know, and a lot of times for me, I you know, when I see that we're playing San Jose, I'm like, oh, good, we get to go up against Marty Jones, who's the closest, you know, proxy to uh, Jake Allen in the rest <laughs> of the league. But last night was Aaron Dell, and I thought Dell had a pretty good game. But, he put it right. Uh, you know, it, it really, you know, the the worst thing for, for San Jose, I, I don't know if you – I'm sure you saw the news today, Logan Couture – Fractured ankle is yeah. out at least six weeks, and he was their leading scorer. He's their captain now that Pavelski's gone. Uh, man, I, I think it's time for San Jose to uh, to pack it in and and uh, you know just write this season off. But then you again, say leading scorer, the... he's their only scorer at this point. 
Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, either they got to make a big move and shuffle it up, but but I mean, I'm with you. I think at the end of the day, man, and just after that Carlson contract, it's it's time. I mean, your guys are aging. Thornton doesn't belong in HL ice. I'm sorry. I mean, I I I've always been the one uh, that Blues fans hate because I like Joe Thornton. I loved his game back in the day, but he doesn't have it anymore. He's not a NHL skater. I think in the right system, Patrick Marlowe can still find a way to work. But when you're not the only one over 38 on the roster, uh, it's just not going to work for you. So I, I think I think this team, it's just time to to start selling and and building and hoping by the end of Carlson's contract, you're still getting contributions from him, and you got a good young roster to work with him. I haven't paid attention, but has anybody called up a fourth string goalie yet this year? Are, are they going to? Is anybody going to just desperately go for the uh, the Biddington? Um, I think that's what we have to call it, right? Uh, uh, Aiden Aiden uh, Hill from Arizona, right? He's uh, was he fourth line or fourth string or is he third string? Yeah, but he had his fifteen minutes at the end of last season. He he that's had true. a really strong run. Um, but uh, they don't – I mean, Ronta's has played really well. Um, Kemper took over as number one when Ronta was injured, and Ronta came back and skipped back from him. So, I don't – you know, I'm thinking, you know, a team like San Jose, that's pretty far out of it at this point. Um, who can they call up? You know, do they have that guy that they can bring up and, uh, and be their Bennington? Scott Foster. Give him a call. <laughs> Chicago hired yep. uh, Scott Foster from whatever accounting firm he's working at. Yep. And, uh, yeah, that that would be a great story. Uh, it's already been a great story, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I think it's safe to say we caught lightning in a bottle with that one. So yeah, I, I but the NHL is such a copycat league i would not be surprised to see somebody try it oh of course not it reminds me of in Waterboy when uh they say uh yeah lsu is uh trying what uh the mud dogs have done and they they put their experimented with their towel boy at wide receiver and you just see this boy i mean clearly way smarter than everybody else just get hammered in the middle of the field <laughs> so yeah it's uh yeah i, I think you're right um, that is, uh, that's, that's, we'll see. Maybe somebody gives it a shot. San Jose is definitely the prime candidate because they, I think, expected to be back at least in the Western Conference final this year. And man, I was, before we get into this game, I guess, I was listening to uh, our friends over at the Puck Podcast uh, the other day, and they were talking about the Sharks and how they are basically the Blackhawks, the Red Wings, and the kings of these teams that were great, but just they held on to these aging guys, and, and now they're not really – they're looking like they're not going to be as relevant anymore. And I think, man, like we know some pretty awesome Sharks fans. I feel bad for them because how many how many cups did they win in that time? You know, like the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, the Kings, they're all cup winners the Sharks, they made it to one Stanley Cup final, and that was it. You know, like they didn't even get to see their team hoist the cup. And they're already talking about how this 
this is one of those teams that's you know oh they're they're done they're old and aged and uh, they've seen their best days already and it's like God their best days didn't even get them a cup that sucks. Yeah, well, I was I was quite honestly surprised that uh, when uh, Wilson fired uh, Pete DeBoer that it wasn't his time also. I mean, it, you got Bob Bugner there, uh, but at, at this point, I mean, isn't it time to move on from Doug Wilson? He's been there. He's got to be the longest tenured uh, GM in the NHL at this point, right? Yeah. Um, it, I, uh, David I think, Poyle, I think, is longer. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah, but at what point do you move on? Um and that that could be that could be a good topic the next time uh we interact with our Teal Town friends. Yeah, they invited me on their show last night and like you said, uh Kurt went on there, so if you haven't listened to it yet you should everybody. But um I uh try to pinpoint when Kurt got sick. Yeah, right. The exact moment. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to look at his page right now, um, but I'm not seeing it's uh, not really helping me out. But anyway, I, I know that him and David Paul are probably neck and neck, and yeah, it's, there are people have been calling for his head in San Jose forever. Um, just some bad contract decisions and bad trades over the years, but he seems to keep on rolling. He must have some pretty good pictures of the owner or something. Uh, so heading into this game, uh, this is uh, the second game Colton Pareko missed with an injury. They're calling it upper body. He is skating, so hopefully we'll see him back in the lineup soon. Uh, but Nico Mikola was recalled for this game. Uh, and I believe that's how you have to say it. Like, that's how they say it in his native land. So you have to say Mikola. Uh, Jake Wallman was sent down for this game, so uh, he did not appear. But uh, Mikola gets his first NHL game under the belt. Uh, what did you think of his play, Bill? Uh, I think he played, uh, was it like yeah. 10 minutes? Yeah, a partner with um, you know, he. I was expecting to see a guy who stayed at home all night, and uh, you know, once or twice he uh, got up and joined the play. So, big boy. Um, that, that was uh, that was uh, nice to see. Um, I mean, I will admit, uh, you know, with Jake Wallman, I was uh, you know, former Providence College Friar Jake Wallman. Uh, I was super excited to see him get his first start. Uh, a little disappointed to see him go down um, so quickly thereafter. But uh, uh, you know, I, I I think between the two of those guys. Uh, having them as as the guys in waiting on our back end that's that's great for this team um you know uh certainly Pareko gets healthy uh Mikel is going to go back down but uh with his his often as Carl Gunnarsson's been injured this year he's going to be right back here soon right oh i think so uh so the stat line for McCullough I actually played in 12:31 last night, which was uh, it was last among Blues defensemen, but uh, just behind Robert Portuzo, who was at 13:55. Uh, but he had one shot on goal and one hit. And I think the thing that stood out for me with his game was his reach, like you said. Um, just you know, 
he didn't have a lot of chances, obviously, to to play, make a great defensive play. He was playing against kind of fourth line players, but for the most part, I thought he uh, his reach really helped him take the advantage of of other teams. They couldn't get passes across him, and you know, first game, you're gonna have jitters. You're not gonna look so good. You know, he looked okay. He was he wasn't noticeable, which I think is key with uh, with a lot of defensemen, but especially rookie defenseman. If you're not noticing his play out there, he's probably doing okay. So I, I was happy with what we saw from McCullough last night. Uh, so a couple of notes on the game itself, uh, kind of roll through a little bit of the game here. Uh, Kairou, Jordan Kairou, uh, he had two great odd man break opportunities in the first period. Um, uh, he was on the, the Shannon Schwartz line, which I think is a great fit for him. And, you know, and and we'll talk. I, I guess we can go ahead and bring up the uh, the the goal that got called back, the great pass from uh, Shen that uh, unfortunately was offside by Kairou, but just by a very very small fraction of an inch. Um, well, maybe maybe a little more than that. Um, I'm being generous, yeah, but it was pretty clear. <laughs> it was pretty clear, but um, just a. I, I what I like about him, and, and there's been a lot of people who talk about comparing him to Ty Ratty, TJ Hensick, guys that have had great AHL careers but haven't been able to move it to the NHL. Um, a lot of people are saying, "Oh no, is this the next one of those?" I think he does so well at getting open, being where he needs to be, and breaking in on the play. You know, trailing when he needs to trail, going to the net when he needs to go to the net. I love what I see out of him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be a 70-goal scorer or anything crazy, but one of those guys that can contribute 30, 40, 50 points on your second, third line, I think that's exactly what you're going to get out of him if you keep playing him. And and I think he's looked great this season. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but I've been a big fan of his play since he's come up. Yeah, I mean, last year when he came up, uh, the abbreviated times he came up, it seemed like every time he touched the puck, it jumped off his stick. Um, and I felt like the, the first couple of shifts he had this year, it, it seemed like it was trending that way. But he's a guy that I think has started to get his confidence. Um, you, know, the, you know, his first NHL goal, that wraparound, uh, just absolutely blew around the net. I forget which game who we were playing, but just his speed is explosive. Uh, his positioning is getting better every game, uh, and you know, I, I I'm impressed that they're putting him in a position, uh, not relegating him to fourth line duty because you've got to earn your chops, right? Um, they're putting him with uh, with Shen and Wish um, when when he's in the lineup, and they're putting him in a position to succeed. And I think the more time he plays. The better he's going to be, and it was it was unfortunate. I mean, the the offside last night, uh, clearly it was offside. Um, but man, a great shot! I mean, absolutely picked a spot and and hit it. So, um, I, I think that that portends very well. Um, and I I would hate to see him uh, being the odd man out. Um, you know, I, I certainly prefer him in the lineup over Sanford at this point. Agree. Uh, for those wondering, fourteen thirteen of ice time last night for Jordan Cairo. 
a minute 46 on the power play. So he is getting solid looks from the from uh, uh, the, the Blues coaching staff. And, um, you know, it makes me think if this was still the Ken Hitchcock era, uh, <laughs> how many minutes would he have gotten last night, Bill? <laughs> um, uh, how many minutes did uh, Mackenzie McEachern get last night? He had a great pass, but let's take a look. Eleven oh one. Yeah, I would say he would have had in the eight minute range. I think he would have had less than that personally. I think you cut Mackenzie McEachern's time in half. That's what he would have yeah. seen under Hitchcock. Yeah. Ah, uh, all right. So moving on, um, Jordan Biddington. Uh, so scoreless first period. Uh, you know, I think it was kind of a back and forth, a little bit of a feeling out for both teams. Uh, didn't really. Uh, I mean, there was a couple good saves here and there by both goalies. You mentioned Aaron Dell had a pretty good night, but uh, to open the second period, Jordan Biddington had some monster saves early. Um, he had a big one on a one timer from Kevin LeBanc. Uh, on a pass for Thornton behind the net, uh, just swallowed the puck. I mean, that's I use that term with him because I feel like he does it as well as anybody. And again, I know he's still kind of looking at the twilight of his career. He's you know young um, in terms of NHL goalies. He's young, and but really you look at it, and he's always just ready to just pounce on any puck. It's always in his belly. You know, it's it's in the it's in the leg pads. It's in the if it's in the blocker, it's going straight up in the air, and he gloves it or knocks it to the corner. Um, he just he the term swallowing the puck. When I see Bennington play, that's the term that I think of constantly because he's making big saves. It's not only just oh he made a big save and then kicked it out to the slot. He's covering it, or it's going to the corner, or it's going right to a defenseman's stick. I mean he. Again, we can't say enough about what Jordan Bennington has, has meant to this team, but um, I thought he really uh, was a big reason the Blues won this game last night because he, early on in the second period, it could have been 2 nothing Sharks, and, and he kept the Blues at a 0-0 game. Yeah, no, he he was, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have been surprised had he gotten the star of the game uh, last night. Uh, he didn't, uh, but he he definitely is strong. And you're you're absolutely right. It's it's rebound control. He he is he's you know it, he would be probably a ninety plus rating uh, in in the NHL series for rebound control. Yes. He just yes. he doesn't he when when his he's off his game he gives up rebound when he's. When he's on his game, he doesn't. That, that's that's a really good observation on your part. I mean, it, it's he, uh, he, and I think that's such a big difference between the type of goalie that Jake Allen is and the type of goalie that he is. Um, Allen, you know, is pretty acrobatic, but uh, you know, we talk a lot about uh, how he's either too deep in his net or he's too active and he's swimming, and uh, that leads to giving up, you know, either bad angles or lots of rebounds. And, you know, Bennington's just not that guy most nights. And it, it uh, definitely helps a defensive-oriented hockey team, um, and especially when you have guys, great face-off guys, who can win face-offs in your zone. It, it's okay to cover the puck. It's okay not to give up rebounds and, you know, 
uh, now put your team under to give a puck out. I think yeah. those are, you know, that's definitely an area the Blues have historically struggled is getting the puck out of the defensive zone when it's not off a face-off. Yeah, that's true. Uh, a couple comments we'll get to here in the YouTube chat. Uh, Austin Lynch has asked if we brought up Peter Laviolette yet. We have not, and we will. Uh, MLT's one says Kairou is closer to Thomas than he is to Ratty, and I and Bill, I see you agreed with him there in the chat. You said agreed. I'm with you. I think, um, and I'm, we're not saying he's going to be again. He's not going to be a, a maybe a top line player. Maybe he will be, but. You know, he's definitely closer to a Thomas than he is to a Ratty. His skill set, what he brings, the, the type of game he plays, it fits in the NHL uh, better than it does any of those guys that we mentioned earlier. Uh, Josh Webster says, Sometimes I feel like Thomas is so elite that when he gives a player a perfect, unexpected pass out of nowhere, they don't know how to finish it. And, Josh, you are 100% correct. I can't remember who it was or what time it was. But there was a point about a week ago in a game where Thomas fed somebody a perfect pass in front of the net, and the player didn't even react. Like, he didn't even move his stick. He didn't – he wasn't – I don't even know if he was watching the play because I think at that point he was already thinking, well, there's no way there's a pass getting to me. And it went through sticks and skates and somehow went right on the blade but or would have been right on the blade, but it went right past that player. So, yes – hundred percent um some of those passes and and again go back and watch some some old games if you can find them from when joe thornton played or when wayne gretzky played uh back in the 80s some of those passes that he would make was so marvelous that even like yari curry wasn't ready for the pass so and again i'm not trying to compare robert thomas to those guys it's just sometimes you see plays like that i know bill you've played hockey there are times where a pass gets through and, and you completely whiff or you don't expect it or whatever, and you think, damn, that was such a perfect play, and I fucked it up. And you know that uh, that's happened with Thomas a couple times, that players have received passes from him and have just, damn it, how did I miss that? I, I guess I just didn't expect him to get that pass through. Yeah, no, it's it, one of the combinations that we haven't seen uh, you know, at this point, Robert Thomas is Thomas and Tarasenko together, mm-hmm. and that that a play like Tarasenko is such a natural goal scorer. When he's healthy, I, I want to see Thomas setting him up, and that 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 is a line that I I really want to see in the next two years. Thomas centering Tarasenko with Sanford on the wing. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Um, anybody but yes <laughs> uh so um again this was uh bennington making a big save the first goal of the game uh comes on a excellent back check from Braden shen uh lifts the stick from i believe it was evander kane stole the puck fired it to bozak who skated through the neutral zone slid it to steen who was breaking in on the same side Steen dropped it back to Bozak between the legs as the defenseman was covering him, and he fired from the high slot and beat uh, Dell at the high glove. Blues go up one nothing, and um, and I'll I'll let you if you have any comments on the goal, go ahead, Bill. But um, yeah, this was I loved this play. Um, just again, you you see the the defense, you see everything that makes the Blues great in this play 
because Braden Shen is coming back. It was a two-on-one. He ends up breaking up the play, coming back hard, slides the puck to Bozak, and as I said, skates to the neutral zone, finds the open man, he finds it back to Bozak, and he just rips it. Uh, just a beautiful play all around in terms of, of just showing the skill set of this team, doing all the right things, and uh, just, again, uh, a huge goal for the Blues, again, after Bennington makes a couple big saves early, Blues go up one nothing. Yeah, no, great transition play, you know, that, that, that is a strength of the Blues team, right? They, they are able to turn the puck up the ice and make quick plays. Um, Bozak, after the game, uh, the interview that he gave, uh, really praised Steen for making such a great one-touch pass. And maybe that's what we need to see more of from Alexander. Uh, get the puck off your tape as quick as you can. <laughs> Don't try to overhandle it. But, yeah, just – yeah. I mean, Steen did a great job. Uh, drew, drew the defender to him, allowed Bozak to get wide open – Walked down the slot and, you know, picked a spot. It wasn't the most pinpoint shot, um, but uh, it, it was good enough to beat Dell. And it was, it, it was, you know, a great start for the Blues. Yeah, unbelievable. That's what the Blues needed. So, again, I mentioned this on Twitter, and the name of this episode is the Tyler Bozak Fanboy Appreciation Episode. That's not even right. That's not even what it is. I'm, I'm totally making that up. The Tyler Bozak Fanboy Edition episode. Um, and uh, it's because, man, I I said this before, and, and I bring this up. And, Bill, I don't know if I ever brought this up on the show or if you ever saw it. It was somewhere on the Internet. I want to say it was the Asylum, but it could have been Twitter or any one of those other cesspools. Um, that when early in the season last year, uh, obviously, the Blues were awful. We all know that. But somebody had posted, Tyler Bozak is Patrick Berglund 2.0. And, mm. you know, he didn't do anything. He wasn't a gifted scorer. He wasn't a good passer. Wasn't good at back-checking. This person just laid into Bozak. And I actually disagreed at the time. Even then, I said, hey, the Blues are terrible. But, man, this guy, he's... He's not. It's not because of him. He's not doing anything wrong. He's not, you know, an elite number one player, but he's a solid depth player. And you look at the numbers, uh, which I did promise on Twitter that I would do this. Um, 115 games played for the Blues so far. 22 goals, 36 assists, 58 points. Not bad for a guy who's typically on your third line. This season, nine goals, 11 assists, 20 points. Uh, he had a career-high 55 points in 2016-2017 as a member of the Maple Leafs. Uh, he probably won't reach that, but he's still on pace for a pretty solid season. And what I like about Tyler Bozak is he's, and we talk about this with Ivan Barbashev, some of what we're going to talk about here in a minute, that you can put him anywhere in the lineup. You know, you don't want him on your top line, but if you have to put him on your top line, which we saw them do earlier this season, right after Tarasenko went out, He's not a guy who's going to hurt you on your top line. He's going to still feed pucks to the guys that need fe- uh, pucks fed to. He's going to work hard in the corners. And uh, when I posted that last night, somebody said, I'm going to love hearing that because I'm a big Bozak fan. I've got a Bozak jersey. And it made me think, man, my next jersey, there's a couple guys. 
Bozak's actually on that list. I love the way he plays the game, and I think he has uh, he has really stepped up this season in the absence of Tarasenko. Yeah, no, he's he's a solid contributor. I mean, he's he's a guy you can rely on to to produce on the power play. Um, he, you know, he's such a good face-off guy, um, and and that was the thing that you know we expected when he got here. You know, he's he's a solid center, gives you that depth. Um, you know, at this point, did we expect him to be you know producing as many points? Um, maybe not. But certainly, I, I think the you know whoever made the uh, the comparison to Berglund, um, no Zach Sanford, Zach Sanford ah. is Berglund 2.0, right? That that's been covered at nauseum on Blue Twitter. Um, Bozak is, I mean, he he's just he's a solid contributor. Um, you know, I think Blues fans uh, are used to having a third line center like uh, Jay McClement, who you know is a hard and soul guy, uh, but probably doesn't put up as many points. Um, but, but having a guy like Bozy in the lineup, um, you know, who who is such a solid contributor to the to the team, you know, it, it's it's uh, you know it, at this point last year, um, you know, when we're you know. At the at the point that Bennington got called up, uh, I think a lot of Blues fans were doubting was the Bozak signing anything. You know, was that was that actually a good deal? Um, it, but seeing what he brought to the team in the playoffs and to this point in this season, uh, uh, again as you say, in the absence of Tarasenko, um, he is uh, he's able to bring a level of depth to this team that you know is is just so important. Uh, and allows them to be successful uh, even when they don't have the best players in the lineup. Yep, and uh, for those wondering, he is seventh on the team in points with 20, as I said. Uh, also number two on the team in face-off percentage. Again, another stat that really can't be overlooked um, enough, and that's uh, number two, 54.94 on the face-off dot, just behind Ryan O'Reilly, who is at 57 and some change. So, uh Again, a number two face-off man and a fifty-four point nine percent. That I've looked at the NHL numbers, but I mean that has got to be right up there with O'Reilly among some of the best face-off men in the league. And uh, again, that's just a number that, that that people don't look at enough when when considering how valuable a player is to a team when you're winning face-offs. And we'll talk about no O'Reilly face-off win here in this game that led directly to a goal. When you have a guy that can do that, I mean, you can trust him in any situation out on the rink. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to think at this point, I mean, with as, as dominant as O'Reilly is, has been uh, in the face-off circle, um, that he, going back to uh, the game against Chicago in November, when he didn't win a single face-off and like his face-off <laughs> percentage got down into the forties. Mm. It was like, it, it, it's, it's, it's just, you can't even fathom that at this point. He's, he's been so good. Um, you know, but I, I think having a guy like Bozak who can, you know, take face-offs on the other side when you need him. Um, and, and even, you know, barbershop, I mean, that the blue center depth, um, it's just it, it's that was probably the most underrated masterstroke that Doug Armstrong pulled off 
putting this team together last year. I agree. Yep, I'm 100% with you. So, Ivan Barbashev, another player, again, that we I mentioned we would, would discuss, kind of in the same ilk as Tyler Bozak in terms of a guy that you can slot anywhere in your lineup and you're not uncomfortable anywhere with him. Uh, he got a breakaway. He missed. The puck goes to the corner. Puck ends up going to uh, Mackenzie McEckern. Sends the puck back in front to Barbashev, who sends a one-timer to the net. And boom, it's a 2-0 Blues lead in the second period. And before that, Barbashev did have a big hit on the play right before the breakaway. I don't remember who that was on. But, um, again, another guy just doing the right things on the ice. And, and it's leading to offensive production. And, again, this is a guy the Blues have slated on their fourth line. And he is he's having a great season. Um, I mean, uh, looking at the numbers real quick here, uh, he's got 17 points, which is uh, one of the, the top numbers on the team. And um, uh, not too great in the face-off circle at a 47%. But a guy, again, fourth line, you're getting any production from your fourth line at all, that's a win. Uh, and He's got six goals on the year, and he's looked great. A guy the Blues really, uh, uh, I think, kind of took uh, took as a serious re-sign they needed over the summer, and I'm, I'm glad they did. He's looked great. And then uh, Timo Meyer scored on the power play for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, it was a great blue line drag that led to this uh, from uh, Eric Carlson. He kind of disguised uh, the pass, looked like he was getting ready to fire it towards the net, but instead fed it over to Barkley Goudreau, who took a shot uh, from the uh, from the right point and uh, hit Meyer in front with a perfect pass shot, and uh, Blues go down 2-1 and uh, start getting a little worried there, but at least uh, you know that uh, the Sharks haven't been too good at, at coming back in games this year. Yeah, I was never all that worried about uh, them relinquishing the, the lead entirely, um, although at least not not until it got towards the end of the game. There, there was a feeling that you know, at least a feeling that I had that you know, uh, this the Sharks may tie it up here um but uh i don't know that the the play by carlson uh on on the meyer goal um uh i don't know if it was worth 12 million but it was a pretty good play yeah i agree uh and then i should mention that was at the start of the third period that was a 214 at the third period uh just a couple minutes later at 407 of the same period david perron uh adds his goal after, as I mentioned earlier, Ryan O'Reilly wins a big face-off in the offensive zone. Uh, Perron sends a wrist shot from the top of the circle, hit off uh, forward Mason for the San Jose Sharks, and uh, the Blues go up 3-1 to one at that point. And again, you just kind of feel like uh, the Blues are just kind of in cruise control once they're up by two goals uh, early in the third against a lesser team like the San Jose Sharks. So then uh, later we mentioned earlier the Cairo goal got called back, so Blues looked like they were going up 4-1, but instead the goal's called back, makes it 3-1. And then the shorthanded goal for the Sharks uh, is after some chaos in front. And, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize this because, you know, it's just not noted. Ryan O'Reilly scored in this game, folks. He scored a goal. It was just for the wrong team. Pokes it in his own net. Uh, tried to kind of drag it from the goal line, but instead poked it right in. That made it a 3-2 Blues lead. 
Obviously, that's the way the the score stayed, but uh, that was rough. Uh, I felt bad for O'Reilly. I I've had situations like that before, very similar. And even though the Blues still had the lead, and uh, you still are just you just want to go hide. You want to go to the locker room and just say, "Please, coach, don't put me back out there." But uh, obviously, you know, he's been able to hang his hat on a few things to where he cannot feel so bad about it. Yeah. Uh, I felt like the rest of the team stopped skating on that play. They um, did. And who did they who did they ultimately credit that goal to? Did they give it to Evander Kane? It was Eric because Carlson. They they, they gave it to Carlson. So they I think Carlson was the one last one to touch it. Because Kane came in and banged it the rest of the way home. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, thought, I thought it was questionable whether it was across the line before Kane came in, but... Um, uh, uh, maybe that was worth $12 million from Eric Carlson. Uh, right. <laughs> they got to find it somewhere, right? That's right. That's right. They got to justify it. Uh, yeah, it was his fifth of the season, 1650 of the third, and that was an unassisted goal because obviously the Blues put it in their own net. But either way, uh, score stays the same. Blues win this one 3-2 to two over the Sharks, and as we mentioned earlier, have dominated the San Jose Sharks since the hand-pass gate from last season. So some of the big uh, uh, notes from this game came after in Jordan Bennington's comments. And, and, you know, we've this has been a year now that we've been hearing from this guy. And it just, for me, as someone who used to work in the media, somebody who, you know, got tired of hearing the same old shtick from players after games, I love hearing this kind of stuff. So I guess they asked him about how big the Perron goal was. And his comment back was, did you guys get your votes in today? And uh, a couple guys responded, yeah, of course, whatever. And then uh, he says, uh, you know, I guess some people said no. And he says, maybe go home and do that. He's making a case for himself. I really hope he gets in there because he deserves it. He's playing some of his best hockey I've ever seen him play. And then they asked him if he voted, and he said, I voted a couple of times. And they asked if he got all ten of his votes in, and he just slightly answered, yeah. So... Fun stuff again. I mean, when when you're good, it's easy to have fun like that. But uh, uh, Bennington just just doing all the right things to become a media darling here in St. Louis. Yeah, isn't it great to have a you know a, a goalie, let alone a player uh, with personality who who's entertaining, doesn't give you the uh, the cliche answers, and uh, makes you laugh. It, it it's great. It's you just don't. I mean, again, we we talked about this before. How you look at and not even just goalies. I mean, goalies alone, you don't get a lot of that. I mean, Tim Thomas was kind of a an interesting character in the media. Um, Patrick Watt, some funny things to say. One of the greatest chirps of all time comes from Patrick Watt. Uh, Jeremy Roenick. Um, for those who don't know that one, it was uh, Roenick never won a Stanley Cup, and uh, Roenick, I guess, had been bitching about. Was playing, so they asked him after the game, and Waz said, "I'm sorry, I can't hear Jeremy saying I've got all my Stanley Cup rings plugged in my ears." Mm. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, but uh, uh, Austin's asking you if you can turn up your microphone, Bill. So I don't know if sorry, I can do any more. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and then uh, let's see, uh, Mister Blues Hat Sanford never had the ceiling Berglund had, and yes, that's true. 
Um, but yeah, it, 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 just having the, the the character that you get from Jordan Bennington is something I love. I mean, it's something that's that's getting noticed by other NHL teams. And I mean, Chris Pronger a little bit in St. Louis had that. I, I feel like he really kind of started being himself more once he left here and went to Anaheim. But the last player that I think really kind of got the media attention that Bennington does, and, and again, I hate to make this comparison so early in his career, was Brett Hall. Because the stuff Brett Hall used to say to the media. So it's it's really fun to, to watch this and see the rise of Jordan Bennington as, as a media guy in St. Louis. Yeah, totally enjoying it myself. Uh, Austin Lynch says, sorry, Bill, it was just a bit low for me. So... Yeah, and Kurt too. So yes, I, yeah, I, Kurt. <laughs> I, at this point in the show, I've decided I can't please everyone. Yes. <laughs> uh, so last week I mentioned because uh, we had talked about how good the Blues were in 2019, and I'd said, "Man, somebody really should compare those to the stats from 2018." Well, I'm going to do that for you, folks, as promised. Uh, I did pull up all the stats. Pretty easy to do, actually, at the NHL.com stats engine. If you want to do this yourself and fact-check me. But uh, for those that might not remember, 2018, a horrible year for St. Louis Blues hockey. Um, If you listen to the shows back then, there was a lot of anger, a lot of bitching, a lot of, why is this guy still on the team? Why is Doug Armstrong still the GM? Bad year for the Blues overall in terms of the calendar year. So in 2018, and this was the Blues were, to give you a little, little uh, idea of what the Blues were doing at this point. 2017-2018. That calendar year of 2017, at the end of the year, they were first place heading into December. Then they free-falled. Um, and 2018, they were terrible. And then, of course, everybody remembers last year, heading into the season, or heading into 2019, they were terrible. Uh, one of the worst teams in the NHL. So, in 2018, 78 games played. They were 35-35-8, and for 82 points, and that is exactly a, uh, well, it's listed as a 500 winning percentage, and that was 21st in the NHL. Uh, and they uh, and to compare that to 2019, 86 games played, so uh, eight more games, but 56, 19, and 11 for 123 points. That's a 715 winning percentage, and, yep, you guessed it, that is first in the NHL. So literally in two calendar years, they jumped up 20 spots in terms of points, which is impressive. Uh, goals for 208 goals for in 2018. Folks, that was 31st in the NHL. That was dead last. And uh, last year, 2019, 270 goals for, and that was uh, eighth. Uh, goals against, 242 in 2018. That was uh, 16th. Last year, in 2019, 202 goals against, and that was third. So uh, in eight more games than they played in, 28, in 2019 than they did in 2018, they had uh, 40 less goals. That's pretty impressive. Uh, power play percentage, Blues were 21st in 2018 in the NHL, 18%. Last year, 22.86th in the NHL. Penalty kill percentage, 77.3% in 2018. That was 24th in the league. And last year, 83.7, third in the NHL. So for those of you 
who are just kind of wondering what the jump was like in terms of statistics. Uh, it was pretty ridiculous. The Blues really turned their game around between the two years. Yeah, and all I can think of when looking at that is Mike Yo versus Craig Berube. Yeah. Bennington versus Jake Allen. Yep. I mean, I think those are, are really the two changes that were made that, you know, have led to the team being as successful as they are. Yep. I agree. I mean, uh, again, can't state it enough how important some of those changes made at the beginning of last year were for this roster. It's uh, It's been quite the turnaround. Uh, next up for the Blues, uh, tomorrow night, Thursday night at 7 p.m. in St. Louis, the Blues will play the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, here's hoping we see Patrick Berglund. Nope. Uh, Vladimir Sabotka and uh, Tage Thompson. Nope. 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 So, nope. Nope. Yep. Man, what a trade. <laughs> what a trade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still don't know if we want it, though. Um, only time will no, no, yeah, uh, we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I feel, you know, like the, the one game we played Buffalo already this year wasn't our best game. Um, hopefully they, uh, they have a better effort on home ice. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, after the Buffalo game, the Rangers come to town on Saturday night, and uh, I will be there for that game. Um, going with a, a bunch of guys from work, and uh, uh, one of them is a former Rangers season ticket holder, um, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to pour some beer on him uh, yeah. this game. So <laughs> let's hope. So yeah, as you said, uh, we got Buffalo Thursday, Rangers Saturday, and that is an evening game. And then Monday, uh, the Anaheim Ducks are in town, and uh, Philadelphia comes in town on Wednesday. So I imagine. Our next show will probably be on Tuesday the 14th, but uh, if that changes, we will definitely notify you via social media. You know, uh, Bill, outside of the ridiculous uh, tech problems we had to start, eh, the show turned out pretty good without Kurt. Maybe we should just, uh, you know, let him uh, take the day off if you need a Kurt. Yeah, take a a week off here and there if you need to there, big guy. But we need um, you still available yeah. for to fix our tech issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please be there for tech support. Uh, quick uh, quick last moment since somebody asked us about it. Uh, your thoughts on the Laviolette firing in Nashville? Um, a bit surprised. Um, I, but I think the most surprising thing about that is uh, how quickly they pounced on John Hines. Yes. Um, uh, I, I mean... Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the relationship is there between Poyle and Hines, but that, that seems, it seems like, uh, you know, if you're going to jump that quickly to, to hire a guy, you had that in mind the whole time, right? Um, Laviolette, you know, he, he's, uh, he seems to be a guy who can come in and deliver in the short term, but over the long term, uh, wears on his team. Um, saw that in Philly. You know, he comes in that first year, gets him to uh, you know to the Stanley Cup final against the Hawks. Um, you know, and loses. Um, he got uh, he got the Preds there. Um, he got the 
the hurricanes. I mean, he was there. He was the guy that got the hurricanes across the line, right? Um, yep. But he doesn't seem a long-term solution for a lot of teams. Um, he's another one of these guys with a short, uh, short bench life, um, which which is odd because you know Nashville had Barry Trotz forever, yeah. and uh, you know and now they're they're going on their I guess third coaching franchise yep. history. Um, and it seems like a, a pretty short period there for him in Nashville. Um, but uh, uh, I, I certainly won't uh, won't miss him being the guy uh, on the bench when uh, when we have to play them. Um, I, I, I think he can be a tough guy to play against. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, he's uh, one of those guys that that likes to uh, likes to give me ear the officials. Um, so I'm not going to miss that part of the rivalry. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I actually wasn't that surprised um, just because kind of like how Toronto was when they fired Babcock, I think it was we need something. And the easiest thing to do is always just fire the coach, start with that, and, you know, if things don't work out after that, then start making trades. So I think it, for me, you know, with how their season's gone, how it's just really been not nearly as expected as, as what even us, even what we said, that Nashville would be challenging the Blues for the division lead. Um, you know, it, was shock, it wasn't that shocking for me. I thought, okay, they got to do something, and that's the easiest fix. But 100% Bill, John Hines, he's, he's the guy you think that's, because they're in a win-now mentality. It's Stanley Cup time for the Predators. And you think John Hines is the guy that's going to get you there? And Nothing against the guy. Um, I know he was liked by many players in, in New Jersey and uh, before when he was in the college ranks. Uh, a lot of players loved him. Talked about how great of a coach he was. But uh, I don't know. And, and obviously, you know, Craig Berube's a guy who stepped in and won a Stanley Cup who nobody would have told you a year ago that he was going to be a Stanley Cup winner but so maybe John Hines is the same but it was just weird to see it wasn't anybody internally they had nobody in mind internally to replace him like the Blues did like the Maple Leafs did that they had to go out and get John Hines so a, a very peculiar move but maybe they know something about him or know something about the systems he coaches that's going to help them in the long run. So we'll see. We don't we don't know yet, but I guess we will. Yeah, definitely peculiar. That's a, a good word. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Bill, unless you have anything to add, I think uh, that we will close it up for this episode. So I want to thank everybody who tuned in live to participate with us in the show. We um, we always appreciate that. Lots of active talk tonight, as there has been lately. So we really appreciate that. Um, for uh, Kurt Price, who is on assignment or also contaminated by San Jose people, um, <laughs> I want to thank everybody for coming on. Uh, again, you can follow Kurt over at C or Kurt Price. Follow him at Kurt Price on Twitter. And for uh, Bill Day, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Of course, as we end every show, let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well.
Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues, St. Louis Blues, have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? They've only just begun, they're on their way to number one, now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The blues are on the ice tonight again, they're rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friends.